Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. Teresa, you are cheating. You are looking at my I know. Notes. I was like, oh, I see Teresa Palmer down there. Splits her time between the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I ripped that off your website, so I hope you're comfortable with it. I am. Because it's I out am. there. Um, everybody, we are recording this Friday, April 7th. Guess what? Your birthday. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. And honestly, I can't think of a better way to spend my birthday uh, then with these two beautiful mothers I have sitting across from me. I'm like sweating. I, I don't know if it's a coffee You're or a walk up the hill. You're excited to be with us. That's why. It's aging. No, I'm, <laughs> I think it's because I'm excited. It's pregnancy. I'm very excited. Okay. So I would like to first share uh, how this particular episode came to be. A few weeks ago, I had Jill Simonian on the podcast talking about her new book, The Fab Mom. And she is a big proponent of formula. And I got a real outpouring from listeners that were so relieved to hear another mother say, like, please let yourself off the hook. If nursing isn't working, let yourself off the hook. We don't have to do this to ourselves. And there were a lot of really, really hardcore longtime listeners that wrote me. Um, about their experiences, and again, just like how grateful they were just to hear that said out loud. And so I shared a post from Jill Simonian about her choice to formula feed, and I got a Facebook message on our Atomic Moms wall. You might have seen it from Helen. She wrote, nursed my daughter for a year, formula fed my son, zero breastfeeding, with whom I did four months of chemo while pregnant. Not only was he exposed to chemo, but induced at 37 weeks so I could continue treatment. My milk was toxic and my body exhausted. He was formula fed from day one, and he is just as healthy as my daughter. I never put that pressure on myself, and I've seen too many mamas kill themselves over it. Thanks for sharing this story. We're all so different, and we should just support each other. Tears are ready. Tears are ready, <laughs> Helen. <laughs> Tears we got, already, we got the Helen. So uh, I wrote Helen and was sort of like, WTF, like how I didn't know about any of this. You know, we have a mutual friend, Teresa Palmer, and I had recently seen her at uh, Teresa's son's birthday party, and she looked fabulous. And, and she has always had this like radiant light about her, and... You know, on Facebook, I would just see, I knew she had moved out of town and I knew she moved back in town, but I didn't know the, you know, the extent of any of it. I just knew that she posted really, really awesome videos of her daughter <laughs> dancing, uh, which you have to let me share because honestly, Sorry, I'm a weirdo. I think I've watched your daughter <laughs> dance more than anyone else. It's the best uh, thing ever. And also, uh, oh, you know what that is? <laughs> what? It's because it's my birthday. Everybody's calling me. <laughs> One second, everyone. I don't even know who this is. I'm sure it's an admirer. Um, <laughs> it's a big man. It's, okay. <sighs> um, so I asked Helen about her story and what was going on, and she shared it with me. And I asked her if she'd be willing to share it on Atomic Moms because 
this is uh, why I do this podcast. What I care about is sharing other mothers' journeys, their experiences, what they've learned, and also so that I can get like all the tidbits about like how we can be better mom friends when mothers are going through a difficult time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start off by asking Helen, I've never done this on the podcast before, but you sent me a beautiful bio that you wrote. Um, and it's on that piece of paper. I turned it from third person to first person. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you would uh, read it. Born and raised in Chicago to Romanian refugees and the middle child of five. I'm the first American born of my family. Um, and I found my bicultural upbringing made it easy to connect with people, which led to my career in HR and in the global tech industry. So I've traveled the world for work and play, met my soulmate, also a first-gen, uh, but Mexican, uh, <laughs> husband and chef. Um, we moved to LA when um, he received an offer to open a restaurant in Hollywood. Yeah, next life, I'm going to, next life. I yeah. need a chef. Yeah, yeah. that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you this, nice. the funny story right behind that, um, the chef thing. It's crazy how it all works out. But uh, we then had our daughter, Luna, soon after. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, soon after, I, I found out that I was pregnant with my second. Um, so I had my daughter, and then nine months, almost a year later, found out that I um, had breast cancer and that I was pregnant with my son. So um, I underwent a year of, of treatment, uh, chemo, radiation, and, um, and then now I'm officially in remission, and uh, I'm the head of talent acquisition for a global tech company, which is my passion, and uh, here in Silicon Beach, and I live nearby in Palms with my beautiful family. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny story about the chef is, yes. you know, being raised a little old school by, you know, Romanian parents. Um, the woman's place was definitely in the kitchen. Like, you you know, the, these are all things that I had to learn or whatever. And I, just from the time I was a little girl, I was like, I'm not doing this just because I'm a girl. Um, I was sort of like the American revolutionary in my home. And, uh, and I wanted to be like all the other American girls in my neighborhood, not having to do these gender role things. Right. So. I mean, that's, I'm going to take, that's why I'm terrible at cooking everyone. Yeah. It's exactly. a choice. That's why, it's a choice. Yeah. Exactly. Gender neutral. So my mom house. says, how are you going to cook for your family if you don't know how to cook? And I said, I'm going to marry a chef. Oh my and God. I, I did. I did. And we, we manifested that. I manifested <laughs> it. And, um, and I did. I married a chef. So. Oh my God. I <laughs> love it. Go. It's so good. Um, so our other guest today is Teresa Palmer. You guys know her voice well. I ripped off her bio from her, well, it's our favorite blog, Your Zen Mama. And so I'll read it awkwardly so now. Uh, Teresa Palmer splits her time between the Hollywood Hills and Adelaide, South Australia, with her husband, Mark, and her three kids, three-year-old son, Bodie, and new baby boy, Forrest. How old is he now again? Four months. Four months. Mm-hmm. She also has an almost nine-year-old stepson, Isaac. Teresa is an actor, director, writer, 
philanthropist and owner of Your Zen Life and co-founder of Your Zen Mama. She's passionate about raising conscious-minded children and using her platform to be the change. Uh, and this is my little addition because I can't help myself. Uh, we all recently saw her dazzling mm-hmm. um, at the Academy Awards where her film Hacksaw Ridge was nominated for Best Picture. She's rolling her eyes at me. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, how old were you? Uh, how old were you? How old was Forrest? <laughs> Birthdays are on my mind. How old was Forrest when you walked that red carpet? <clears throat> um, Academy Awards. Uh, he was two months. Is yeah, two months. That's crazy pants. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. a two-month-old, and you're at the Academy Awards, and again, and then going to Vanity Fair. It was Fair. bizarre. I, like, had leaky boobs, and <laughs> I, they had, like, stuffed pads into my Prada dress just so I could leak out happily without it staining <laughs> the outside of the dress. Yeah, would Prada be mad about that? Yeah, no. They'd probably be stoked. <laughs> no, it was it was pretty surreal, Yeah. Okay, so everyone go to Yours and Mama and you will learn all about Teresa's parenting style and also just like go on the journey with her. She has these great um, Ted uh, Tez talk videos that she shares about life and also on Yours and Mama, she kept a great, um, you've stopped it. Yeah, I stopped it at three months. I did a postpartum uh, vlog and update, so I would just do that weekly and kind of share the trials and tribulations of the week um and then I also did pregnancy videos all the way through from I think week nine of pregnancy until 40 weeks and I, I like, can't imagine ready. doing that ready. sorry atomic mamas you're not going to get that from me <laughs> by There's the way it got very stressful at the end I was like ah, what am I going to write about and I was so anxious about the baby coming I was like overdue and I was like this I don't want to have to do another pregnancy. Just, I just want to have the baby. <laughs> Everyone's asked me, when's the baby coming? Oh, yeah, I bet all your listeners or um, your readers. Yeah, was like, when, is the baby here yet? And it was so stressful. But he came when he wanted to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Helen, how would you describe your parenting style with your daughter, Luna, who's three years, four months, and Luca, who's 23 months? Um. So... I don't know if you're looking for a label, but I can't really. Oh, please. We okay. love labeling. No, I'm totally <laughs> The more offensive, the better. Oh, God. It, yeah, they so annoy me. Um, basically, I try not to annoy my children. I'm a pretty non-invasive mm-hmm. parent and um, just provide them with the boundaries that they need to play safely and really freely and independently. And uh, most recently, I had this like epiphany that, oh my gosh, like I, Luna had, I said something to Luna. I think I was consoling her because she had hurt herself. And um, I witnessed her doing the exact same thing to Luca. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, and it just kind of clicked this, this really obvious thing that the way that I treat them is the way that they treat others. And so I just, that completely changed my whole thought process. And I just, try to be the most mindful parent that I possibly can, give them as much independence as I can. Um, so, and and just, you know, like I said, in exchange, I, I have really creative, you know, Luca's still coming out of his shell. He's only, he's barely two, but she's extremely creative, independent, and free, free spirit. Free spirit and, and just is. very, yeah. So Helen's such a, she's, um, 
a natural mama. Mm-hmm. She's a, like a really. You, you are. Are you kidding? You, whenever she's at my house, though, <laughs> she's like this natural like mama bear, like vibrant and her daughter. I think, you know, I haven't really interacted with Luca as much because he's littler, but Luna is this big, bright, like ball of joy. And she's so, she wants to discover the world. And I know that that comes from the way that you parent, which is so beautiful. I love that. She's such a fun little girl. She annoys children at the park. Like she follows them around <laughs> and like tries to, yeah, she does. And they're just like, could you just leave me alone? And yeah, it's <laughs> she's hilarious. gorgeous. <laughs> Teresa, will you share how you guys met? We met at Golden Bridge Mm -hmm. Yoga. She still laughs at me because I was doing the yoga whilst breastfeeding. I'm I'm visualizing and I'm just stuttering because you were doing a yoga pose while nursing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which pose? Um, It was, no, it was like a squat thing we were doing. It was, uh, yeah, you were were lunging forward. That's right. On one knee. (laughs) Whilst body attached to the boob. This is insane. And Mark is, was sitting against the wall. What was Mark That's doing right. there? You're right. <laughs> your husband was just watching he you was do. Just there. Oh, why was he just there? I don't know. It was mummy and me, but I think he was like, does that mean that the daddies can't come in? I was like, no, you can come in. He was like on his phone against the wall. <laughs> yeah, he was like, this like, is different than what I thought it would be. Yeah. He wasn't stretching with you guys? No, he was just like off to the side of the wall. I don't know why. That's right. Yeah, yeah he was. And she and Helen was there next to me it was this glorious yoga studio that we both used to go to yeah unfortunately it's not there anymore but and we connected in this class and we were talking outside I remember and we both mentioned this pump station mummy and me class and I think you may have joined first and then I called up and I joined we happened to be in the same class because our kids were only couple of months apart. Mm-hmm. And my class was right before y'all's class. Yeah, so we would see Ellie and Becca was in your class, yes. our other mutual friend. Um He's been on the podcast recently. Yeah, Becca. With their baby moon. That's right. Um, so those girls were in the class before us, so we would see them as we came in, you know, lugging our little tiny guys and girls. Um, and we really connected there was just something about her spirit that I was really drawn to because she is Helen like walks into a room and she's the light and I was like I want to be near that (laughs) I want to sit next to her oh and her daughter was the same (laughs) do you remember her little squeals (laughs) oh my god she used to scream like there'd be mamas like crying their eyes out in pump station like in the mommy and me and Luna would just be screaming with excitement like while this poor mama was like pouring her heart out and I'm just like shh <laughs> but it was amazing I, I'm actually in the new pump station group for mm-hmm. second time mummies but it was an amazing community and it really lent itself to you know I think creating the space for moms to really connect over the joy well, and then the really cool thing I think <clears throat> is that we were able to take it out of that space yeah Mm-hmm. So we all met there and uh, in our different classes, and then we were able to take it out. Like mm-hmm. I remember going to your house, Teresa, with – I mean, there's a photo of, you know, it's like 15 moms with their babies yeah. were all in your pool. I love and it. And then I remember going to Helen's ha- home one time, mm-hmm. and that was so special. Yeah. And um, and how, you know, take it off campus, moms. Mm-hmm. I love it. It was such a beautiful um, community. It's exactly what we needed. And I, I was I was yeah. definitely seeking that out. I'm like, I need to meet 
you know, like I just moved here. I need to meet mamas. And That's right. It's like a lot like dating and you just have to go out there and go to these like mom things and, and just put yourself out there and be creepy and ask for phone numbers. Yeah. And- I was going to ask, what is your <laughs> advice for, cause there's a lot of moms that don't have, uh, you know, mom groups in their area or they, mm-hmm. they, they just don't vibe with the style. So if you're on the playground, can you guys each just give us like one piece of advice for how to make a mom friend? Um, <clears throat> I would say I always just, um, go to a situation like that, whether it's the playground or you're um, just out somewhere and you see other mamas, um, just be open and have mm-hmm. a big smile and ask, oh, how old's your child? And just engage in that way. And then you just start chatting and maybe there's something there that you know, sparks joy in you and and um, you can connect to that other mother. And I always say, let's, let's hook up a play mm-hmm. date. And then you swap emails or numbers and and then you go for it. And by the way, if you do a play date and it's like, well, we didn't really have that much to connect over, then that's fine. But then yeah. it, there's no other way to meet those like real, mm-hmm. you know, lifelong mama friends um, unless you have the courage to be open and kind of, you know, branch You're like the Pied way. Piper of mamas. Like, <laughs> it's true. You really are. <laughs> it, by the way, it's my favorite thing. I know. I get a bunch yeah. of mamas know, and babies. Know. You know that's my jam. I'm like, let's just put everyone yeah. together and have like a hundred kids. Like, come to my house. That's you. I love it. I, it's so funny because I used to do it at high school too. People remind me of that. That I would just like jam a bunch of people together and be uh-huh. like, let's all hang out. You are my husband's worst nightmare. <laughs> By the way, I am my husband's worst. He's like, who are these people? What What is happening? What are you taking me to? Like, is this a new friend you've met yeah. again? I was like, yes, this is my new friend. people. He's like, Helen. stop, stop. Helen, what advice would you give? Um, it, Especially because you were really in that, where you yeah. had just moved here. You didn't really know people. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of moms that feel that way. Mm-hmm. Or there are mothers that I hear from that – you know, they, they're having their children later in life than everyone else in their town. And mm-hmm. so they don't know how to connect or find new friends. Right. Um, so do things that you uh, enjoy doing. Like for, for me, it was, and I think it's really similar to dating, actually. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, online dating is one thing, but I feel that when you focus on things that you enjoy doing, you will meet people that also enjoy doing those things. And so you already have something in common. Um, so things like yoga or, you know, uh, a music class or whatever, whatever you're into. Um, so that's, that's step one is, is don't just go to the playground and expect to meet somebody that's into the same things as you. They're, they might be there, but don't rely on that. Mm-hmm. Make an effort to go out there and, and do things that you enjoy. And, and um, when you meet people that are kind of in the same space, then, you know, just don't be shy and, mm-hmm. and push yourself to actually say, you know, hey, would you be interested in hanging out or having play date? You, you know, your kid is an easy in, right? Because totally. you can just put it on well, the kid. sometimes, I don't know, with Sabrina. Like, actually, they're like, you know what? You know, when you were saying that you want to have everyone with all the mothers and all the kids together, I'm always like, I just am more of like a mom person than a kid person. (laughs) 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 Because 
you know, different stages, you know, mm-hmm. and you got to, you know, that's why neutral territory, the park is great. Yeah. Uh, except that. trying to leave the park can be ch- yeah. a challenge. Oh, my gosh. Transitions, Bodhi has gone through it with those. <sighs> I actually just heard about this new thing um, which helps with transitions, like when you're leaving somewhere that's really fun. Because I always say, in five minutes we're going, all right, Bodhi, in three minutes we're going to leave. And then no matter what, there's a tantrum. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but there's these little um, shakers that you can turn upside down, like with the sand in it. And so he can watch the sand going down and, and you, there's like a 10-minute one, a five-minute one. You can just buy it online. We have to find the link. It's apparently amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get one for it's him. It's a good idea because then it's not on you. It's yeah, and I'm like, you see, you turned the sand over yeah. and you see now the sand's it's all done, so that means we've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so Helen has never shared this story publicly. Mm-mm. I had... This sort of this gut feeling of like, you know, it'd be really fun to have Teresa on this episode as well as support. And because I know you guys are buddies, but I also had no clue after I asked Teresa, I found out from Helen like, oh, yeah, you know, and also she helped me out in this way, yeah, which was kind of crazy. Can you walk us through sort of the timeline? Because you had Luna in December of 2013. And you, then you you nursed her, mm-hmm. um, and you discovered a lump while you were nursing, mm-hmm. and that was in September 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can you tell me about that doctor's appointment? I got there. I, I just didn't know. I felt like a little lump, and and I mentioned it to my doctor. I think it was just I went there specifically for the lump, and. Um, so he he was very reassuring. He said, you know, hey, it's it's most likely a milk duct. You're only 32 mm-hmm. years old. You just had a baby. You're breastfeeding. Um, it's it's nothing to worry about. I don't want to expose you to radiation. Um, so let's just monitor it. And you know, if in a couple months it's still there, we'll we'll do a mammo. And I was like, okay. Fast forward to we had, we're moving to Arizona because my husband had this great opportunity. Um, found out I was pregnant again and uh so decided to follow up on this lump because it was still there. So did you ask your OBGYN then about the lump? Yeah. So my my new OBGYN was like, you know, yeah, you definitely need to get this checked out. OBGYN then sent me to get a mammo. Were you concerned about getting a mammogram when you knew you were pregnant? No. At this point you my OBGYN yeah. was in fact like, no, 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 no. Why did you get a mammogram before an ultrasound? That's because uh, the mammogram shows less detail than uh, an ultrasound. This is really common in uh, any sort of imaging. If mm-hmm. if the mammogram or a radiation mm-hmm. image or an image produced by radiation um, does not show you um, enough or mm-hmm. you need to double check certain things, then you'll go ultrasound. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of a double check. Right. That's when my OBGYN is like, okay, I'm referring you to a surgeon because we need to figure out what this is. And that's when the surgeon was like, I'll try to aspirate it. If not, then I'm going to biopsy it. And he had this like, anybody had a biopsy, it's this really scary machine that like shoots out this like clamp that clamps a piece of your tumor or something. It was just awful. And I could see it on the screen the whole time. And, uh, and yeah, so a f- 
few days later, surgeon. Did you get a call? Yeah, I got a call to come in to talk about the results of the biopsy. When you got the call, Um, I can't remember. I think I was at home. And then you know you have to go back in and talk about it. Did did they say anything? And I still wasn't worried at this point. I still. They didn't say anything like worrisome tumor, like they said to me. (laughs) Oh, so um, I will say that the surgeon, the surgeon and the OBGYN, they're like, "Well, no, no." The surgeon said, "Listen, based on my experience, the." The image of the tumor is not that of a cancer tumor because the edges were blurred. And I guess with cancer tumors, the edges of the of the tumor more are more solid, they're more right. defined or something. And then um I think that was something. So he was he wasn't super concerned. He thought Right. So is it typical that if it was nothing, he would have told you on the phone, there's nothing to worry about. It's not cancerous. So hearing you need to come in to talk to mm-hmm. us about this, that didn't trigger fear for you no. at that point? No. I still didn't think I had cancer. So did you go to the appointment by yourself? No. Ephraim was there. Um, and where was your daughter? With us in the room. Mm-hmm. But it was such a state of shock that right. I didn't even have, like, I couldn't even react. So mm-hmm. what did the doctor say to you? You know, um, you've got a... Yeah. a almost one-year-old mm-hmm. in the room with you and your husband. He was great. His bedside manner was amazing. He was very, like, strong for me. And he was like, listen, it's, um, it, it is malignant. It is uh, stage three. Um, and at this point, Efrain and I are both like, what? <laughs> so it just stayed a shock. Like, no emotion whatsoever. And, um, yeah, and then he... Uh, So he was great. He already had. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, of course. I mean, I also I want to say the idea that you had moved to another state. You had an almost one-year-old. You Not were family. pregnant. Um, talk about a lot of transitions all at once. And then, you know, the surprise yeah. of the century. How pregnant were you at this point? I was... Um, reaching my first trimester like the end was, of it mm-hmm. yeah I was, I was right around that point and he was great he uh he actually had an oncologist lined up for me he'd already made an appointment for me like two Wonderful. days out okay yeah he he got me in right away he like um because it was code red I was pregnant so they needed to figure this out like you know mm-hmm. if I was going to terminate there was a timeline if mm. there was you know if I was going to um Go on with the pregnancy. There was another timeline for that. So I remember the message you sent me, and I, I'm sure I could still find it, but um, and it was at that point where you had just found out, and then there was these options on the table whether to terminate, whether to keep the pregnancy, and you were just in a state of complete shock. So the days between um, the <clears throat> The surgeon and the oncologist, because he has said, at that point, we didn't know what type of cancer it was. We just knew it was stage three. And um, so he's like, you may want to consider terminating the pregnancy because Mm -hmm. uh, the hormones, your hormones generated by the pregnancy. uh, The estrogen can can accelerate it. So I think there was like a two day in between you know, till the appointment. So, of course, everything's going through my mind. 
I was sharing with Teresa, like those two nights I would just like, like a creep, you know, like sneak into Luna's room in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. just sleep by her crib. Like that's for me, that image is the, whenever I think about your journey, it's like you sleeping on the floor next to the crib crying like that. When you told me that story, I've never, ever, ever forgotten that story. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm on the phone with uh, Planned Parenthood. I'm in Arizona, which is a non-abortion state or whatever. So, so I'm on the phone with Vegas, California, Planned Parenthood, like talking to them. They're all saying different things about when I can, because every state has different rules about when you can actually terminate the pregnancy. So, um, so I'm trying to figure this out. Like at this point, I'm not even connecting with a baby. I'm. This right. is all medical. Like this is all. And like, also survival and yes, thinking about Luna. Exactly. So I had a plan kind of going in because I wanted to be like really in control <laughs> when I spoke to my oncologist. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had my mindset that I would terminate this pregnancy thinking that, you know, that was more important than not being alive for my daughter. So, um, mm-hmm. but he was amazing. He was uh, amazing bedside manner again. And every oncologist that I've spoken to after that has pretty much been the same. Yeah. So, and so I have all cancer nurses that I, I've been with. I just, there's this uh, community around cancer that is really strong um, and empathetic and, and mm-hmm. supportive. And uh, so I get to my oncologist and he gives me more details and he's like, and I'm like, okay, I've got a plan. I'm going to, this, this week, I'm going to go get my, my pregnancy terminated and And he's like, okay, that's completely your choice and whatever. But let me tell you (laughs) more about Mm. what's going on with your cancer. So I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of listened and he was like, it's, um, it's a type of cancer. It's, it's, uh, receptor negative, which meant that it wasn't um, hormone uh, driven. So, uh, so it wasn't, and, and it makes it more dangerous and risky because they don't know why it grows. They don't mm-hmm. know why the cells mutated. They don't. They can't like um, attack it with hormone based therapy because right. it doesn't respond to it. So my pregnancy wouldn't have impacted. The growth okay, of the okay. of the mm-hmm. cancer, right? So it's called triple negative. So it was uh, testosterone, estrogen, and um, I forget the third one. Um, all negative. So then we, he was like, "Well, you have two options. You know, uh, chemo can. You have to do chemo. It can make you infertile. So if you did want to have more children, oh, you know, Jesus. you." you're rolling the dice. You may not even be able to, and you may not even want to after being, you know, having cancer. That's a huge decision that mommies have to make that have had cancer because so many women who get pregnant become um, diagnosed with cancer. In general, they're seeing a huge spike in women in their 20s and 30s who get pregnant um, are now developing um, cancer. That are not there's a that is estrogen related. I'm assuming if it's because oh, of pregnancy, yeah, yeah, estrogen related, but also just I don't know why exactly. But well, now they're you're seeing freaked a, out. Sorry, all the sorry. <laughs> 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 we'll we'll get the numbers on that, folks. And, we won't, <laughs> we'll and we're just gonna say disclaimer right here. We are not a medical no podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were told basically if you terminate this pregnancy, 
there is a chance you will not be able to get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also even that if you are, that you would, might not want to because mm-hmm. the risk will be higher. And also that it wasn't a necessity mm-hmm. to terminate. And how did that make you feel given that you had come to this idea and this conclusion, this is how I'm going to handle it, mm-hmm. then you're given this new information and it kind of flips things on its head? Um, well, I'm a pretty flexible person in general, so... I- you know, I, I quickly just kind of shifted, shifted and, and thought it over again. And, and I was like, okay, so I, I I think I decided that same day or, or the day after that I would, um, I would have my surgery to remove the tumor. Then I would start chemotherapy, but I still felt like I had a little cushion in between that if I changed my mind. Um, but I was really focused on the treatment at that point. And they were not concerned about chemo affecting they the were. fetus. Yeah. So they were. we went through all those stats too. And um, I understood the risks that uh, there might be some developmental uh, setbacks for the fetus during chemo. But, you know, it's, and the whole cancer thing, it's just all stats and research. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody can tell you this is exactly going to happen. Cause and, and obviously you had reached out to Teresa and I'm assuming some other close friends, but did you keep this pretty close to your chest? I well, did, Jesus. and I was really strict. <laughs> oh, God, Ellie, just you're fired. <laughs> just, to your did chest. You, oh, my God. Close. Ellie, no. What? To. No, no. It just, oh, I just step in it, guys. I just got oh, it. Keep it light in here. I was sweating again. I know. Who I told at that point was really strategic. I knew that certain people would react really emotionally, and I didn't need that. Like, I really just needed, I strategically chose the people that I knew would give me strength and, and, uh, and, and that it includes my family too. Like, um, yeah, and that's how I started to kind of, you know, communicate that this was happening. But but it's crazy also that you're pregnant. So people are checking in on your pregnancy. No, nobody knew I was pregnant. Oh. I knew. You knew. You told me. Yeah. You knew. Um, and I didn't share my pregnancy on Facebook. I didn't because I was afraid that at any right. time I could lose the baby. Right. Mm-hmm. So... You go through the chemotherapy, three separate surgeries. Oh my God. A lumpectomy, a lymphadectomy, and um, a chemo port insertion. This is in 2014. And then you started chemo in December of 2014 through May 2015, once a month. Yeah. Um, and when was your son born? Oh, so he was born in okay. that May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I. I went through four solid sessions with him. So you went through your entire pregnancy every single month, and you are going in for chemo treatment. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, too, I um, I had to see a perinatologist, which is a fetal specialist, every month to track his development. So so it was everything from, like, his brain to his his physical development to everything. And he was thriving, Yeah, which was... Mm amazing because it's like i remember with luna i was like oh i can't drink coffee because it's gonna whatever no no i'm like coffee what you have that coffee you have that you know like and helen um how did this affect your connection 
to him in the belly? It was so medical that, like, I I didn't I, I had such a hard time connecting with him. Like once in a while, I would, and I feel like he's the one that kind of would remind me. Mm-hmm. That he was there. And it, what's so bizarre and what's so crazy is that and on the one hand, you're you're really dealing with a terminal illness. But at the same time, you're growing a new life in your body. It's just a psychological mind, like mm-hmm. completely. Um, so I literally be like on, you know, my lazy boy recliner with, uh, you know, the chemo, like, like, just flowing through my body, and and I, I would just feel him kick, mm-hmm. like while well, this was happening, and it was just like those were little moments that he, mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm here, mama. Like, yeah, mama. he would remind I me. I got yeah. you. What are the little ways that Luna might have cheered you up? She would, um, and I have little videos of her, like playing with my belly and then like mm-hmm. when Luca would be really active you know I'd put her hands there and she would just put her little head on my tummy and and she was so young I mean she was what like 15 18 months when he was born wow so you know at that point they don't have that strong a connection mm-hmm. with the second child um and uh but she would do stuff like that all the time and she would just come and snuggle up to me or she would you know yeah she was like the light Uh uh-huh you know just the whole time just shining and reminding me like why I have to be strong for her so that she doesn't worry or feels my emotion so it's, Mm -hmm. it's very much about that like what you teach them is how they kind of perceive the world um so in May yeah you had your baby boy I did. I did. And what was that experience like, giving birth? I mean, that could be its own whole podcast. But I'm just curious, like, was there just immense relief or? <laughs> no, it was It was just another step in the treatment process. Mm. It really, you know, I, I knew what day I was going to give birth. Um, you know, I knew that I had to do this because two weeks later I was going to start a new round of treatment. And it was just something that needed to get done. Um, so, but I did, because I had so much control over it, um, and because I feel like the second birth is a little bit easier than the first. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. <laughs> and you had a vaginal birth with him? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And um, so I, I actually, like, pulled him out, like, mm-hmm. like Chloe Kardashian, so whatever. Cool, yeah. Or not Chloe, but whatever. Courtney Kardashian. Right? And I, I don't know. I saw it on some... Oh yeah, thing. Dr. Crane. Ephraim did. Okay. But um, but I was like, okay, let me let me pull him out at least, you know. Yeah. So it was just I had more fun with it, I think. Yeah. Because I just knew, you know, for me it was like so planned and expected that like I knew it was coming. So I just tried to have a little bit more fun with it. And, yeah. You know, um But to see to have this little thriving <laughs> baby on your chest. Like yeah. to, to, or just with you, to like feel his skin for the first time and be like I grew this human yeah, for nine months. I grew this human during the most challenging <sighs> moment of my entire life, and I somehow managed to accomplish this. And 
And I just remember looking at him and thinking, like, my little, my strong little guy, like, mm-hmm. wow. Like, I just looked at him and, and just realized, like, what he'd been through. And he was fine. He, like, he didn't know any different, you know. It was it was so just, sweet. Remember when you stayed at my house for a few days and he was this little bundle? You forget this. Yes, so so you moved back to LA then. Oh, yeah. So tell us. So soon after he was born. Don't worry, listeners. I'm trying to figure out the chronology as well. (laughs) So back to LA. I know, I know. So Efrain, he got laid off. So just quick reason why we even moved out there. He had this opportunity to be the executive chef for an entire school district um, that was trying to implement this healthy food program, um, which is his passion. And so, uh, but the thing is, this small town did not have any interest in changing the way that they ate or anything. So that company (laughs) lost that contract and, you know, so Perfect timing, huh? But I was was relieved. (laughs) I'm a city girl. Like, I... You're like, good. I'm like... Okay, cool. We're moving back to LA, not Chicago, LA, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So then, and then at that point, like I, I felt like I was just trapped in my home and with the sickness that I was so like, I just want to go back to work. I want to be mm-hmm. back amongst the living, and and so, um, so yeah. So then we decided we found jobs, and um, you know that's when. Uh, Teresa, who actually every time we came out to LA to just visit or whatever, she'd always let us stay with her. But also, um, you know, when we moved here and we, you know, we'd blown through all of our savings, like we really, you know, we're really like in this crazy state. And, you know, in LA, you don't know a lot of people with a lot of extra space and, and stuff like that but Teresa never blinked an eye and she's like you just stay wherever I will make it happen and and you did and that saved us that completely saved mm. us I feel bad for them though because it was this <laughs> apartment that <laughs> I had rented yeah. for a year for my mom yeah. and she decided last minute that she didn't actually want to live in America anymore so she <laughs> went back to Australia so I had this like this empty apartment that I was paying rent on for a year. But it was this beautiful studio apartment, like a big studio. But, I mean, here's Helen, and I was like, I can offer you this apartment, but there's <laughs> literally, like, it's a studio. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Helen. with your toddler Helen, and yeah, your newborn. two kids. Yeah. Obviously, Teresa helped out in a huge way when you backed Tele. Um, and then, you know, now you guys are doing so well and you are um, have a great job and you guys are all thriving. What can mom friends do? Like what were the little things that Teresa did via text or, or what can I do if I have a, a mom friend that comes up against something like this? Um, I know there's no easy answer because we're all so different. And um, but – you know, I think what I responded to really well was when people didn't view me as a victim and they didn't feel sorry for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think that's when I choke up the most is like, you know, feeling that vulnerable. I don't do vulnerability well. And so, um, you know, like Teresa's just very strong in that way in general. And she's very supportive and, um, you know, the emotional but not not in a way that's that's uh 
I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's the friends that were strongest for me and found humor in it or, um, wouldn't say things like, you yeah, know, what do we not say? This is one of my favorite things. <laughs> on moms. Like, how do you not put your foot in your mouth? Like maybe don't just casually say like, did you keep it to your chest? <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny. You know what yeah, I mean? That like yeah, keeps it right. light. But I think we never dwell, like we didn't dwell on like the gravity of the situation. Yeah. We talked about the kids and the vibrancy yes. and like mm-hmm. what a strong mama bear. Very Look at you future. conquering. Yeah, exactly. Like we talked about that. Like, back to the very future focused. Totally. And I'll never forget like when we came to your house soon after Luca was born and we stayed with you and um, – I, this goes back to like the disconnection that I felt with Luca and Luca was crying and he was in his little bouncer thing. And, um, I don't know why I was just so disconnected. Efrain was with Luna and you just went and you took Luca and you like squeezed him so tight. And then you just started like, she just went into mama mode and just started rocking him like kind of aggressively, which is what you yeah. want to do. The Dr. Harvey Carp. <laughs> yes. I did the, the S's. The yeah, the Harvey Carp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. She, um, and, and I just remember staring <laughs> at her and going, oh yeah, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. like it was just like this reminder. And I feel like you get so entranced by what you're going through that you forget like the basics and, and it's people like Teresa that, you know, were able to pull me back. I'm like, it just remind me of like who I was before all this happened. And so that's advice for like what to do is be strong, be supportive, be future focused, um, things not to say. And I'll refer you to, um, uh, it was Emily McDowell created these greeting cards based on her own experience with cancer and, she has the funniest, hilarious, most hilarious card. So if you want to buy your friend a card, don't buy a sappy one. Please. Yeah. Please don't. I There's so many cards I just didn't even read because I knew that they would just be so sappy. Mm-hmm. You can and, tell uh, by the font. Like, from yeah. a mile away. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Get that like, out of here. Pastel color. Like, <laughs> oh, God. You know who um, also, <laughs> you know who we saw? Chris Carr. Crazy Sexy Cancer. Yes. That uh, woman. Teresa and I went to the Super Soul sessions last year. Yeah, the uh, Oprah did. Yes. And Chris Carr spoke about her journey with cancer, and she talks about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. her documentary is phenomenal. I think I told you about her. I, I don't know if it, it yeah. resonated with you, but I know a few friends <sighs> who have gone through it. In fact, when my mom had breast cancer, I had her watch the documentary, and it was so uplifting, and it put another spin on the journey. Yeah. And I know that... You know, people have got a lot out of her stuff too. So, yeah, Emily McDowell's cards are, are hilarious and they totally, like, capture the it, – it's, you know, she'll have cards, if I can remember a couple, like, when life gives you lemons, I won't tell you about my cousin who died of lemons. You know, like, or <laughs> – Right. right. <laughs> exactly, right? Because people are trying to relate. I and mean, this reminds me a lot of uh, my episode on pregnancy loss. Oh, my God. And uh, Dr. Jessica Zucker, a psychologist who um, also has greeting cards about pregnancy loss, and they're fantastic. Some of them are watercolor, but they're very honest and direct mm-hmm. and yeah. helpful. And we were talking about what don't you say, and it same idea, right? It's like 
Don't try to compare your experiences. Yes. That's um, the worst. And that's my go-to, guys. I, I know, always I have to connect. I up my, my leg tumor in this like tumor. <laughs> I know. But by the way, like I had a, fr- I had a friend who oh. went through um, a stillbirth and I kept trying to compare my molar pregnancy experience. I was like, well, with my molar pregnancy, because I was so awkward. I was trying to find yeah. something in my own experience. And then I realized like, what am I doing? You like just do stand mm-hmm. and like be there and listen and be the support instead of being like, I understand, you know, when I went through my thing, you know, you don't need to do that. Yeah. You don't need the to. The other thing I, I hated was, um, <clears throat> and don't ever do this to a mama going through any sort of medical thing. Well, are you getting the best care? Like, are you, so are you, do not question what that person is doing, Yeah, you know, in order, like, who are they seeing? Who are they, unless you are a medical professional, unless yep. you have mm-hmm. a referral for somebody that's very strong, do not sit there and make them explain to you. And, second guess. And second, or second guess or anything. Um, just don't make them do that. It's extra work. And, and yeah. uh, also don't cry your eyes out. <laughs> in front yeah. of them hold it together hold people. it together um yeah do then, save your crying for when you leave that person exactly. and go back don't because they don't need to take care of us no exactly exactly and then um you know things like and again this is person by person but i didn't like things like god never gives you anything you can't handle yeah, yeah, yeah. everything um, happens for a reason everything happens for find a the reason. light in this um, you know <laughs> this experience Vomit. is going to make you stronger yeah, there's also, a gift by the way like although that's my go-to healthy but okay and then in defense of Teresa's go-to there's a gift in you there. are <laughs> that is my go-to guys <laughs> There, there can be. Well, I'm sure and there was something totally from cool the experience. That once you are better, you can then you reflect, can be like, and then you can agree. spin it so that you're Agreed. not just freaked out every morning. You just don't <laughs> you know say I mean? like, like, I've gotten so good at spinning my past experiences, which honestly I think is the is the secret to happiness. Yeah, you know, yeah, spinning yeah. Spinning that past crap into some story that is positive. What did I get from this? So that you have grown as a human being. But uh, when someone's in the trenches, they don't want to hear that. No, Because also they haven't figured it out yet, and you're not going to figure it out for them. No. And it might be years down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to be a little sensitive about that. And then don't go silent because you think that, you know, the the person doesn't want to hear from you or that you're bothering them or you don't know what to say. Like, that's also the wrong approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're having a good day. Yeah, and I've had, I had friends that completely went silent and later admitted to me, like, they just didn't know what to say to me. That's so interesting. So hard. I had someone do that too when I'm, I just had a molar pregnancy, but I had you and some your really <laughs> no, huge. By the way, have you talked about that? No, we've never talked about. It. But anyway, that, we're not, talk we're about not it talking now, about it. If there's that's no a way, big <laughs> deal. No, but I had friends big not big big deal. Like no one reached out because I went and told everyone I was pregnant, mm-hmm. and then people. Then I had to be like, oh, by the way, you know, I had this thing called a molar pregnancy, so no, no baby, and then people would go silent. And I yeah. wouldn't see them for six months. And then I had a friend be like, I'm so sorry that I dropped off the face of the earth. I actually just didn't know what to say. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? I'm yeah. a human being. Like, let's just talk about it. You yeah. know, it's so funny. No, it, it is. And and then for the person going through the medical 
issue. Um, yeah. I would say just know that people are doing their best and it's, it's really difficult to mm-hmm. figure out what is the appropriate thing <clears> to say. <throat> so just have a little bit of patience and maybe wait until you're ready to mm-hmm. uh, to deal with what they're going to say to you before telling them, you know, um, and I love what you said earlier about knowing who even in your family to share this with. Right. Because we all know instinctually, like, who we're safe with. Yeah. And who we can share with. And when I had my weird medical mystery situation and uh, surgery and not working for performance, blah, 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 my girlfriends were incredible. And here's a couple of things they did. They went to... They showed up at my house because all I knew is I had a worrisome tumor from my uh, MRI. And I knew I was going to Houston to go to MD Anderson to meet with these oncologists. And my girlfriends came over with food, which was awesome. Like, food always wins. <laughs> and they were really funny. Yeah. And they gave me all these weird little presents that were so fantastic. Um, actually, a friend down the street gave me a little servant's bell. Which I still think might be one of the most. <laughs> That's right. That so good. By the way, I was also on a Downton Abbey binge, so uh-huh. it was like extra special oh, to have yeah. a servant bell. It. But it's I a great it. That's one. Perfect. Um, you know, they gave me fun, silly books. Yeah. Uh, I remember Bridget gave me these long socks because mm-hmm. it was a it was in my femur, so it's like you and also just being in the hospital, like these mm-hmm. funny long socks. Mm-hmm. They were a great gift, and I had emailed her in the hospital that. Um, I was really putting my attention on the nurses. Um, and I used it as an excuse. This is way before Atomic Moms or anything. Um, but I used it as an excuse to interview the nurses um, and putting my attention on them and hearing their incredible stories. Um, and, and I had written, Bridget, that it just feels like there was all of this light around me. And actually one of the nurses, her name meant light in her native language, which blew my mind. Um, And so Bridget had written me back that reminded her of this quote that's roomy. And so this is my mom bomb today. It's don't turn away. Keep your gaze on the bandaged place. That's where the light enters you. Mm -hmm. And Helen, I know you have a mom bomb as well. Yeah, it was my mantra. So um, pain is temporary, warriors are forever. Pain is temporary. Warriors are forever. Love it. Yeah. And that's, I did, and that comes from, um, I went through a whole sweat lodge phase of my life and I practiced under this uh, Arapaho elder and, and that's, he would, that's how he would teach us to withstand the heat and, and continue to push ourselves physically to complete the rounds of the sweat lodge so that we could, you know, connect with spirit and all this stuff. So I'm telling you, like, even, and then when I, when I moved back, I mean, you didn't ask this, but I felt like an alien that was, or a person that was abducted by aliens and just tested and poked and prodded for a year. And radiation was the worst because I came, when I moved to LA, I had to continue my treatment. Radiation was the second phase. And that was horrible, horrible. So here I am, like, laid out on a metal table that has to be constantly adjusted for the the light to hit 
the certain area of my breast. So here I am completely exposed, topless, Mm -hmm. with like three to four techs around me, constantly adjusting and moving this table. And then they... They go, they close this door behind them and go behind this glass. Now, this door is probably like three feet thick. Yeah. That's how thick this is. And knowing that they left me in this room and they're protecting themselves with this three foot wall. And then there's this this, this giant machine that just like kind of pivots around you. And it, oh my gosh. And it's cold and it's, I mean, it's just awful. And um, I did that every day for eight weeks. And then we go right back to work. Mantra and you during go that. back to work in your new job. Yeah. You are a warrior. <laughs> yeah. You are your mantra. You are, <laughs> yes. That. Yeah, it was crazy. And I mean, it, but, you know, working in tech is, that's the most, I think, progressive industry. And so um, there's so much emphasis on work-life balance and, you know, just supporting women in the workplace and and things like that. So I'm so fortunate and love that industry. And, um, and another funny thing is, is, um, when I lost my hair, I, uh, this is also where you come in, Teresa is, um, you know, I wore a wig during my interview. It was all over video, right? Because tech companies. So wow. It's easy. So I wore a wig during my interview. Now, when I moved here, I remember I asked you and Mark, I was like, well, what do you guys think? Should I I brought my wig. Should I wear it? Should I not? And it was you two that, like, gave me the confidence. You were like, no, it looks really high fashion. <laughs> like, yeah. Mark's like, you look like, hot. <laughs> Without the wig. Yeah. It was yeah. so cool. Her hair looked beautiful. She really looked beautiful. So I showed up my first day, like. Hands. That's why I had no idea you were sick, too. I saw you with short hair. I thought it was just an awesome choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I showed up to work, and I, at that point, my hair had grown out enough that, um, you know, like, I, I felt like you could see it in the wig. So I f- hmm. figured, you know, people would know I was wearing a wig. And um, it was like very Tilda Swinton. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, you look hot, Mama. Yeah. So um, yeah, and it was easier being in LA with that kind of hair because it was mm-hmm. just, you know, it's LA. But, uh, but yeah, so they were like, uh, what happened to your hair? <laughs> From and the then video. I, and then yeah. I told my story, right? Because you're not obligated to tell an employer um, that you're interviewing with that you have a medical condition and that you are going through treatment. You're just not obligated legally. So I didn't. And um, and they still hired, they hired me. And, and I came my first day without, and I told them. And uh, turned out my my coworker on my team just went through breast cancer treatment. Um, no, went through radiation. She goes, I have the most amazing radiation oncologist at UCLA. Um, I just completed radiation, and I just I immediately like went to. I mean, I didn't even have to research and have to worry. And there was my radiation oncologist, and I they did everything to get me ready for treatment. Wow. And and then I I did that, and then I. My last day of treatment was my birthday. So oh I'm like, gosh. yeah, so it's, it's so I call it like my rebirth day now because I feel like. Wow. Yep. Like November just 30th, started over. Rebirth day. November 30th, 2015, your last radiation session. Yeah. Rebirth day. Yeah. God. I know. And it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's your birthday today. So, you know, I just really felt like I was reborn to myself. Like, you know, this was going to be just a new a whole, you know, part of my life. And yeah, 
but thank you so much strong mama bear thank you Teresa for showing all of us how to be a great friend (laughs) you're so sweet Um, everybody trust in your goodness live out your greatness rock on Atomic Moms (laughs) 